Welcome back to Bully Banter and Happy New Year. This is the Commercial Dispatch's weekly Mississippi State Athletics podcast. Been on different days as our holiday travel plans kind of get mixed up, but uh, coming at you on a Thursday afternoon as we record this in 2023, Mississippi State having finished up the football season, the uh, national championship being decided in just a few days, getting into basketball season only right now. And for uh, Mississippi State men's, that's uh, not been great so far for the women's team, a one-on-one start to SEC plays. Uh, but first, Alex and Colin, how are you guys doing as we get into January? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, in terms of sports, been better. But uh, it, it was nice to see Mississippi State get the bowl win. Um, yeah, uh, I've been feeling a little under the weather the last couple of days, so uh, I might sound kind of nasally. So sorry about that. Um. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I didn't think Maryland was going to win its bowl game, even though I said that they were going to win in our picks. Uh, but they won. And I know Loxley kind of like um, like opted out, quote unquote, of the uh, of the Mayo dump. He did get some of it on his head at the end of it. So he didn't fully cop out. Uh, so I was pretty jazzed about that. Uh, men's basketball team has been garbage because they have no depth and they got beat by Michigan by like 30 or 40. So. Fair enough. It's about since, it. you, since you mentioned our picks, I guess I might as well tell everybody I did win this one. Wasn't really a contest. Better luck next year, guys, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was fun to kind of keep up with the games all season. I really kind of tanked it in bowls, but thankfully I had a big enough lead that it didn't matter. So we're doing pretty good over here. Yeah, when, when you posted the final win totals, I assumed that my bowl picks just totally uh, tanked my comeback efforts. But you actually pointed out that uh, both Alex and I gained ground on you and it was still that big of a lead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that says more about my bowl picks or my picks the rest of the year. But I've said before, I could literally pick every single bowl game, switch every single pick and be more accurate than I was initially. And that's disappointing. The one game I did pick correctly, though, that was the ReliaQuest Bowl. I wouldn't say I picked the score right. I think I had Mississippi State 27, Illinois 20. A lot fewer points than that. A late touchdown and a late kind of cover for Mississippi State. Gave it a 19-10 final scoreline. Low scoring, you know, offensive struggles. Illinois' defense obviously playing really well. You guys able to watch the game, and what did you take away from that ReliaQuest Bowl on Monday? Yeah, we watched the game. Um, I, I sort of predicted a little bit of a defensive matchup, given that Chase Brown had entered the transfer portal and then uh, declared for the NFL draft shortly after. So Illinois' primary source of yards and points was gone. And then Mississippi State, their strength has been defense, especially down the stretch this year, as offense kind of has had to figure things out. Um, It was maybe a little bit more defensive than I thought it would be, but I I think mistakes from both offenses kind of contributed to that as well. Um, Still... Good to see State get the win there on that final drive. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't the most entertaining of games, but it it was it had its feel good moments, especially at the end, uh, as this team, you know, were able to fulfill their wish of uh, paying tribute to Mike Leach with another win on this season. Yeah, after everything they went through this year, just to get that win, you could obviously tell what it meant to the players and to the staff. I mean, Jason Washington, the running backs coach, got engaged after the game. I don't know what that would have been like if they lost 10 to 7 or something, but we don't have to worry about that. And uh, just, you know, the players, obviously, I'm sure they're happy to just be done with this year. I mean, they lost 
Dave Nickel, who was a former assistant. He died of cancer in March after leaving for USC. Sam Westmoreland in October, freshman offensive lineman, found dead. He was just 18. And, of course, Mike Leach in December. Just so much tragedy while having to play a full football season in the SEC. Can't imagine what some of these players were going through. And to have a couple weeks off, I think they're all looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. I did want to say so. Um, and I, I think this is the problem with how the NFL season was scheduled and how the year kind of, um, you know, panned itself out with the, um, uh, you know, Sunday uh, being January 1st. So a lot of those big uh, New Year's Day games were pushed to a Monday instead of being on a Sunday. Um and it kind of killed attendance. I think I saw attendance for the game was like 37,000 or something like that. Like it was much lower than what I would have expected. But then in in hindsight, thinking about it, it's probably because of the fact that A, it was a Monday and B, it, you know, it not being New Year's, it kind of shuffled things and made things a little bit weird. And I think that was the case for a lot of the bowl games where um, either attendance was down or ratings were down on TV, things like that. Um I don't know the bowl game was it was it was ugly. I think that's the easiest way to say it. No offense to either team, but the game was just um, you know it was a, it was a defensive battle, but it was also a lot of feel like you said it was a lot of offensive mistakes that were made. I'm pretty sure how many picks did um, Will Rogers have? Because I know he had at least two. I don't know if he had a third one that I'm forgetting. Yeah, two in the first half. That was it for the game, but those definitely okay. were the momentum killers at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he had the two picks, and um, I know that uh, Illinois was held to like what, what was it, twenty-two rushing yards on offense. Um, so you know, it was just there was struggles on both sides. Really, really good defense, but also just a lot of offensive ineptitude. Um, and I will say, Mississippi State with the legendary cover at the end for uh, on a play which honestly got a lot further than I would have previously thought because it got to like the. It got to like Mississippi State's 30 um, before things kind of went haywire and then Mississippi State returned it for a touchdown. But it got to like their own 30. So that was pretty impressive for what it's worth. I know it didn't end up like that, but um, I was surprised that it got that far uh, because laterals usually just, you know, fall apart and explode almost immediately. Yeah, I was going to say, I swear to God, watching that game, that at one point, if Illinois had pitched it out to the left instead of going back to the right, they would have scored. And I don't know if the film would back that up, but I, I really thought they had a chance. And I was like, is this really going to work? And then like five seconds later, you know, Marcus Banks picks off one of the laterals and returns it for a touchdown. And then there's a little bit of fisticuffs at the end. Emmanuel Forbes taking offense to a late hit and uh, punching a guy and then being held back and getting back out, out of their grasp and punching the same guy again. So it was uh, very entertaining, to say the least. Just kind of chaotic in the post game with everything going on. But, I mean, everything settled down. It didn't turn into, like, a 2020 Armed Forces Bowl Tulsa uh, brawl like we had a couple years ago. So, definitely a good sign for that. Yeah, that was um, – I, I, I'm glad it didn't devolve in anything, but I mean, that, that was kind of a dirty hit. I, I think Emmanuel Forbes was justified in his anger. Maybe not his actions, but um, I, I did want to point out, though, the, this game – did give us a glimpse of, you know, potential impact players next year. Uh, one of whom is Justin Robinson, who caught the game-winning touchdown. Um, he's a sophomore. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of him this year, but he had a really solid game against Illinois. And then uh, running back Simeon Price, who stepped in with Dylan Johnson transferring. So he's uh, the the second back of that pairing with Woody Marks now. Uh, he has some really promising runs, too. I think he averaged like 10 yards a carry. 
So yeah, um, 28 yard run to put them at the two yard line on that last drive. And you're right. He did look yeah. really good, especially with yeah. little marks, just getting taking every single shot year or game after game every year. I think he tweeted afterward marks that he had like a broken nose and like hurt maybe broken ribs at one point guy just gets beat up and to have with Johnson gone somebody else to fill that role and price was very impressive for sure. I, I do want to say, I think it's important to mention that, um, uh, you know, the game before this game, because uh, not only was a rely quest bowl played on a Monday at Raymond James stadium, literally the day before, not even 24 hours before uh, the Buccaneers played a game, uh, uh, a very, very important game. I believe it was against the Panthers. If my memory serves me right. Um, Cause that was a big game. And then the saints Eagles game was a big game to try to figure out who won the NFC South. So uh, we can now add Mississippi state into the Champa Bay lore because not only uh, have the Buccaneers secured uh, an NFC South title, but the day after, um, you know, channeling the energy of Tom Brady, uh, Mississippi State has now uh, won the Relia Quest Bowl, so I will uh, honorarily put them into the Champa Bay lore. Yeah, channeling the energy of Tom Brady, it took them into like the last drive to actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it was an important last drive. They they got down game winning drive at the end of the game. And did and uh, uh, I mean, that? shout out to the to the groundskeeper crew too. I mean, keeping that field steady, putting putting all the new um, what logos and markers down and everything like that. Uh, hell of a job by them. I was just thinking, like, imagine telling somebody in September, you know, Mississippi State's going to win nine games because of a field goal. <laughs> you know, having it come down to a field goal after all their kicking struggles, it was a very short field goal, like 27 yards. But still, I mean, Massimo Biscardi was a lot better at the end of the year, and you saw mm-hmm. it on that kick. It started with that Auburn game I mean, when you had to make those three in a row, um, which is another game that I think if, if you – Told if you explain that scenario to a Mississippi State fan, I don't think any of them would have thought he would have made even one of those kicks. That's true. I mean, he missed that like 57 yarder, but nobody would have really made that. And right, like I, said, I mean, yeah. he made three in a row that was pretty impressive. Like, if there's anything we've learned from these last few weeks of football, it's that kicking field goals is really hard, and we shouldn't judge people for missing them, even if the miss is really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, and I watched that last wow. and um. I'm it was kind of off to the right like it went through but like if it was a much longer field goal I don't know how good I feel about that going through yeah however that does not matter and he made it and Mississippi State has its ninth or excuse me it's 10th nine win season in program history so this isn't something that happens all the time winning a New Year's game going this far being eight and four to end the regular season you're going to lose some guys you're going to lose Emmanuel Forbes you're going to lose I mean Robert Thomas and Dylan Johnson already to the portal Tyrus Wheat is moving on. All three safeties, Jalen Green, Jackie Matthews, and Colin Duncan. Those are just some of the guys with on defense and then Emmanuel, or sorry, LeQuinston Sharp on, on offense. Most everybody else is coming back that I can think of. So offense should be doing pretty well. Maybe they'll get some guys from the transfer portal. You obviously lost Sawyer Robertson and Braden Locke to the portal this week. Both, you know, backup quarterbacks who didn't see a lot of action. So this mm. will look a little bit different next year, but not entirely so and that's probably a good sign going forward yeah i did want to say um because we recorded the last podcast after old miss had lost their bowl game but before maryland had played theirs if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that um and i i know this you know uh, it, i'm just gonna keep it short about old miss but keeping with mississippi college football if you would have told me that old miss and maryland would have finished with the same amount of wins at the end of this year i and especially after how they started i would have said that you were absolutely crazy so the fact that that happened and also the fact that state, this is, you know, 
I, I think what is it in their last what 10 years or nine years or something like that they've had four to nine win seasons so things have been really you know picking up in terms of that so uh you know turning the corner there in a big way but you know just a disappointing end for for Ole Miss I just think it's hilarious that they um finish with the same record as a team that like no one gives two craps about with college football so yeah, if you told me before the season, I would have been like, okay, they were both like seven and six or something. Ole Miss didn't do very well. But to know that Ole Miss was seven and oh, and then lost five of its last six games, I didn't even realize that was Maryland's final record, too. I guess eight and five. That is impressive yep. <laughs> on one end and probably discouraging for a bunch of folks up in Oxford. <laughs> Speaking but of. Hey, State finishes with nine wins. It was a very impressive season and definitely a good building block moving forward because they have a lot of. Uh, they have some new coaches getting or uh, current coaches getting promoted, new coaches coming in. There's a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, that's right. I'm Matt Brock, the defensive coordinator now. I, I assume you're talking about State and not Maryland or something. But Matt Brock is defensive. Yes. <laughs> Chad Bumpus at uh, wide receivers coach. I mean, you're seeing Drew Hollingshead and Steve Spurrier depart. Definitely some coaching changes as Zach Arnett kind of pieces it together. As a first-time head coach, I mean, I'm sure he has people in his corner helping out with those decisions, but they can't be easy ones when you've never done this before. Uh, you know, state looking to hire an offensive coordinator, still haven't hired a permanent athletic director. It's going to be interesting to see what the next couple of weeks hold. And it might be even sooner because all of this stuff has come out really recently, at least like the last three things that I just mentioned. So it could be pretty quick as state tries to kind of get everything firmed up going into 2023. Mm-hmm. I almost said 2022, but I've remembered by now that it's already a new year and uh, Mississippi State would really like a year where there's not all these horrible things going on. I mean, I would just hope that for them that I'm sure anybody would that uh, it's a lot more comfortable and less tragic season as we go forward. Well, I think that that makes the, you know, the nine win season even that more impressive considering everything that the team had to go through. Um, you know, it, it just seemed like, you know, when one thing um, ended and another thing started, you know, very, very unfortunate way of that happening. But the fact that they were able to get to nine wins through all this adversity that they faced is, I think, even more impressive um, when you, you know, take, you know, take a step back and look at everything. Yeah, that'll do it for the football side of things. But we've got, you know, other sports in action. Women's basketball in action Thursday night, tonight at uh, Tennessee. Obviously, you'll be listening to this after that game ends, but uh, Mississippi State's having that loss to Ole Miss at home. Wasn't the best loss on Sunday. One and one in SEC play after a pretty good non-conference schedule. Colin, I mean, the Tennessee game will probably swing things, but what's appears to be the mood with Sam Purcell on the team right now? Uh, they seem pretty down after the... Old Miss game. Obviously, when we spoke to them, it was immediately after. So um, the loss was still setting in for them, for uh, Purcell and Alana Smith was the player who came to the press conference. But um, they, uh, Alana Smith said something about it was complacency that cost them. And I think that was a pretty accurate description of what happened against Old Miss. Um, they had an early lead. Uh, they had a really energetic start. And then things slowed down. Both teams struggled a lot on offense for most of the game. And then Ole Miss's uh, Angel Baker took over in the third quarter and really started hitting uh, some tough shots, but then creating easier shots for herself and her teammates. Ole Miss really took control down the stretch. Uh, they turned what was a one-possession game for two quarters into an 11-point win. So that really shows you how much they dominated the fourth quarter. Um, 
I think Sam Purcell knew that it was going to be kind of a physical tense game. Um, he was just betting on his team to capitalize and that, that wasn't the case. Tennessee, I think is going to be a different kind of team because I don't expect them to be as, as physical in the paint. Um, they do face uh former Mississippi state player, Ricky Jackson, who transferred last year around this time. Uh, she was by far the leading scorer for the Bulldogs when she left. And, um, you know, m- maybe some players on the team right now will remember that and maybe want some revenge, but um, but they have to focus on the task at hand, which is getting back on track in SEC play. And Knoxville is not an easy place to do that. Speaking of an easy thing, I mean, Sunday, South Carolina comes in, the defending champions. Mm-hmm. What do you think the atmosphere for that game is going to be like? Do you think it will be comparable to what the men's team had against Alabama or with the, you know, such a good team and, you know, a former kind of rival coming in? I mean, I'm hoping so. Um, I mean, people forget South Carolina Mississippi State was the rivalry that determined the SEC winner for three or four years, and one year it determined who the national champion was. Um, this this used to be the biggest game in women's basketball. So, um, I I think the Bulldogs have a long way to go to get back to that sort of competitive level, and a win against Tennessee would obviously help their chances of getting an environment. But you would hope that they get at least a crowd that was similar to what was at the Ole Miss game, if not the Alabama game for the men. Um, I think it was just over 6,000 fans were at the home for the Ole Miss game. It was very, very loud. Um, they took advantage of the environment early on, but it didn't sustain them, and Ole Miss kind of killed the momentum. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would like to see that sort of support. It is at noon on a Sunday, so it's, it's – um, Maybe tough for some of the churchgoers in the crowd, um, but it is the number one team in the country. So you'd expect some people to maybe want to come out for that. Yeah, I'm sure it should be a pretty good crowd. I mean, I know that the Alabama crowd for the men was pretty good. And Chris Jan said today he was kind of hoping State would build off that with Ole Miss coming in. It's interesting that, by the way, that State women's, oh, sorry, that Ole Miss's first two games were. Alabama, Tennessee for men. And then State's first two games were also Alabama and Tennessee. Now they're playing each other on Saturday. And both of them, I'm pretty confident, are 0-2 in the SEC. It's going to be a big game. I mean, Ole Miss has struggled a lot more in non-conference where State only lost the one game. So I think, you know, we'll kind of see what this Mississippi State team is made of because when you look at their schedule, I mean, this is a game you kind of have to win, especially when you've started off 0-2 when you lost by so much at Tennessee the other day, they kind of have to win this game on Saturday. And I think they're the better team, whether that means they're going to win. I'm not sure. Alex, you uh, covered that nickel state game. I'm sure maybe you watched some of the Alabama game. What are your thoughts on the Mississippi state men's team? And how, how do you think this game against Ole Miss is going to go? Yeah. So me and Colin talked about it on the last podcast with the Alabama game. I mean, I think the biggest thing was, you know, Tolu Smith just had a really, really bad game. Couldn't hit anything from the foul line. Like, I mean, if 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 there were fifteen baskets around the um, you know, or uh, on the backboard, he wouldn't have hit any of them. It was just you know one of those games, and uh, you know, it killed them because they ended up shooting fifty percent from the line. Um, and, and you know, if you take thirty six free throws, you don't expect to just make eighteen of them. You expect to make you know at least two thirds, if not seventy to seventy five percent. So that was a big killer, and you know, they just struggled just overall shooting. Uh, and Alabama took advantage and, you know, Alabama's a, just a really, really, really good team. Um, they, you know, all facets of their game are just 
at an elite level right now and they continue to build and they continue to just, you know, get better and better. And um, it, I think with that Tennessee game, you know, I think coming off of the high of what the Alabama game was and having a massive crowd, uh, trying to feed off that energy, staying in the game for a good part of it, but then kind of faltering at the end. I wonder if they were just gas going into that game, considering that it was, you know, just a few days after. And they just, I don't know, the, the way that that game went, uh, what were they down at one point? Weren't they down like 16 nothing to start the game? Yeah, it was it was 16 to nothing. I'm pretty sure, before yeah. the state finally hit a basket. It was, it was not good to yeah, watch. Yeah, and I mean... You know, all credit to Tennessee. Tennessee was playing at home. They know how to play at home. They're a damn good team at home. Uh, but you would expect Mississippi State to not go down 16 nothing to start a basketball game or really anyone to do that, to be honest. Um, so that was just a killer off the bat. So you're already down 16 within the first, what is it, five, six minutes of the game? Um, maybe even, you know, like 10 minutes, whatever it is. And then you have to build off that and you have to try to build, you know, get back into the game. And at that point, Mississippi State wasn't hitting anything. They weren't in sync at all. The chemistry was off all of that stuff. And Tennessee was clicking on all cylinders the entire time. So State had to then regroup and say, we need to become Tennessee, quote unquote, uh, and, you know, start clicking together, get that get that chemistry going. And by that point, it was just too late because Tennessee had already gotten everything going. And, um, you know, I, I really do wonder if it was, you know, when they went into the game, if they were just gassed. So I guess we'll see moving forward. You know, they they have to win this game against Ole Miss because they're now on a three-game losing streak if you include the game against Drake, uh, which was their last non-conference game heading into this one. Um, you know, I know they are playing TCU later, but in terms of like their non-conference, non-conference schedule, this was the last one of that run. Uh, but, you know, this is a massive game. And, you know, it's an in-state rival, uh, you know, SEC rival. It, regardless of of how good or bad both teams are, they're going to play hard. Ole Miss is going to come in and play hard. So, you know, this is a must-win game for for Mississippi State if they want to try to establish themselves in the SEC because right now I, I understand they played two top ten teams, and it's really, really hard to win either of those games. But they, they, they really need to reestablish themselves not only for themselves but also within the rest of the conference. Yeah, they did kind of get a rough draw playing probably the two best teams in the SEC, like right off the bat, one on the road. But there's going to be games like that in this conference, and – no game is really that easy. I mean, you'd look at Georgia next week on the road as like, okay, maybe winnable. And then Georgia takes care of Auburn, which is a ranked team last night in uh, in Athens. No game is that much of a, you know, a cakewalk in this league. And obviously the first two games are about as far from that as you can get. Ole Miss is actually as maybe as close as you can get at home. And State's going to have to take advantage of that. But like you said, Alex, I mean, the free throw line is something they've really struggled at shooting something 63%, which ranks three fortieth out of 363, division Jeez. which is not good. And Jan said, uh, Jan's asked what they shot from the free throw line against Tennessee. The answer was seven of 17. He was just like, yeah, that's not very good. And it's not, and they're going to work on that. Jan said, he's tried quote, everything under the sun to address that. I don't really know how much you can address and how much of it is just, they have players that aren't good at making free throws, but if they're going to win some of these games, you can't be shooting 18 of 36, seven of 17, those poor performances from the line. You know, this is going to sound really stupid, um, but I remember growing up, my dad told me that, uh, and, and you know, I'm not saying that any of these guys are going to become, you know, what, what Kobe Bryant was, but 
Um, my dad told me that that growing up every day, every practice, um, after practice, Kobe would shoot what well, like a couple hundred free throws um, either throughout the practice or after practice. And he would shoot a couple thousand free throws every week and just continue on that and continue on that. And you saw, you know, when he was in the NBA that he was a good free throw shooter and the best free throw shooters continue to practice, you know, on and on and on taking hundreds, if not thousands of free throws a week. So I don't know if they're doing that. I would assume that they're doing that and trying to push that. But, you know, like even when I get bored and I go play basketball, like if I'm playing by myself, I don't know why, but I just always just start shooting free throws for no reason. Like I'm not, I'm clearly not going to be in the NBA or playing any sort of competitive basketball. I just like doing it. And I mean, you know, once you get that repetition down, you know, it's just really easy to, you know, to pick up. And I don't know if it's the shooting motion. I don't know if it's, you know, how fast or how slow guys are going up, but you know, it's just, once you get that rhythm down, it becomes second nature. And I don't know if guys are, um, you know, embracing that if guys are shooting enough over the course of a week or, you know, a month, whatever it is, but, uh, you know, something needs to change there if they want to be competitive because you can't shoot 63% from the line as a team and expect to be, you know, competing, uh, towards the top half of a, you know, a good basketball conference and trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And like you mentioned a minute ago, I mean, if you're behind 16, nothing in what was like four minutes, like it wasn't even 10 minutes. I think it was all by the first five minutes of the game, maybe mm-hmm. four. Some teams can come back from that. Mississippi State is not built for that. Their offense isn't, you know, dynamic and to the point where they can just put up a flurry like that. I mean, their offense is based around getting turnovers and making stops. And they're, if they're not doing that, I mean, catching up from a 16 nothing deficit early is pretty much impossible for the team that Mississippi State is. So they got to avoid games like that where it's just kind of out of hand from the start. And, you know, you saw them cut it to 10 and that's as close as they got by halftime. They were down 24. You just kind of knew from the start, this is not a game that they're going to win. And it's kind of hard to compete in the SEC when you can kind of write them off after a few minutes. So they're going to have to reduce having games like that for sure. That Ole Miss game, by the way, that starts at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And I think that's going to do it for our podcast today. Alex, Colin, have a good weekend, and thanks for joining me today.